0: Welcome everyone. You are listening to the I Am a Spartan podcast with your host, Scott Knowles. Enjoy the show. It will probably suck. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Scott the Fane Knowles and you're listening to another episode of I'm a Spartan OCR Podcast. On this episode, I interview John Penland and he tells us all about his race in San Antonio this past weekend. And I just gotta say, it's super cool to be interviewing people that are doing races again. Isn't it exciting that the races are coming back, everyone? Yes, it is. I will be at Savage this weekend in Dallas, Georgia. Not Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Georgia. Yes, there is a Dallas, Georgia. So, if you see me out there, come and say, hey, what's up? Anyway, here's the interview, John Penland. John Penland, what's going on today, man?
0: Not much. Just, uh, recovering from this past weekend and just kind of getting all my work done for the week.
1: I hear you, man. I saw you had a good time down in San Antonio. Almost got first place both days if it wasn't for that damn Spear.
0: Yeah, the Spear's my nemesis. Uh, you know, something I have to work on, of course, but, uh. It was a good time. I'm really happy I made the trip down there.
1: Yeah. So before we get into the nitty gritty, man, like tell us a little bit about yourself, like where you're from, and you know what you've been doing these days.
0: Yeah. So I'm uh, originally from Chicago, but I'm currently a student at CSU, so Colorado State University, up in Fort Collins, Colorado. Um, I've been really focused on my studies the last two years, so I've kind of disappeared a little bit um from the ocr scene but i i've been training all this all this time um and i'm I'm excited to kind of be back and uh tearing up the races again
1: and so you you're 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 young to be in in here you're like 20 right
0: yeah i'm uh 20 i turn 21 next month
1: right so like how did you find ocr and like what's your sports background like coming up through high school and everything
0: Yeah, so traditionally I was a soccer player. I played soccer, like high-level competitive soccer from like before kindergarten to about my junior year of high school, and then I switched over then, and I did a year of track, and I did a year of cross-country, but back in, when I was a sophomore, back in 2016, is when I first discovered OCR, Um, I was watching TV with my parents on Christmas Day, and this Spartan Race World Championship popped up on the, on the television and we kind of clicked on it, trying to see what it was. And it looked like a unique form of suffering that I I would rather enjoy. Um, so we kind of did some research. We found a local race in uh, that winter, actually, uh, the Abominable Snow Race. Right. And uh, I was hooked ever since then.
1: Yeah, I was looking at your athletes and you've done a bunch of races, you know, in it, at, and like you said as early as 2016 and you were placing pretty good in the elite heats as as soon as you started
0: yeah i uh i mean there was a huge learning curve for me Just coming off like starting like i had a running base that w- put me in a position to be able to run at least for the beginning part of a lot of races with a lot of people but i had to figure out how to do all the obstacles and develop my strength base and learn how to actually train for everything but Luckily, I got some solid coaching off the start, and was able to kind of make that transition from a younger high school athlete into kind of a multi-sport obstacle course racer.
1: So, who were you using for a coach?
0: I started off working with Robert Killian and Bracken.
1: Oh yeah, so, yeah. So, and like, but when you were in high school, you said you did track and cross country. Like, what? What was your? What did you run in track?
0: So. In track, in high school, my big focus was the two-mile. Um, I ran a 956 um, in my last race in high school um, for the 3200. And then I ran a 440-mile. Um, but all that training with track and cross-country was geared towards making myself a better obstacle course racer right um looking at the backgrounds of everyone else in the sport is like if i want to eventually be as good as they are i i should become a equivalent level runner um so my dad and i kind of scouted out what 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 to do to uh kind of try to get to that level and uh we my high school had a pretty solid running program and we kind of just hop in there and took what I could and learned from that and built a really solid base, um, which I'm really happy with. And that kind of helped propel me to kind of start chasing that uh, contender status in a lot of races.
1: So are you, are you still running in college? or?
0: Um, I chose not to run in college. Um, my interest is a lot more tailored to the endurance side of sports. So right. the longer, the better, the the more suffering, the better. The less ideal conditions, the the better I like it. Um, so I chose to not kind of chase the speed of track and cross country in, in college.
1: Right. I saw you had like di- didn't you do like a fifty mile race last year?
0: I did. Uh, when the pandemic broke out, I kind of was thinking about what I can do and what, what what some of my interest at the time was was looking to that get that next step in ultras. So I picked a 50-mile race that was local. It was just like 50 miles um, up the road and just hopped in that. And it was actually a really good learning experience uh, for, like, feeling and just training for 12-hour events and all that jazz.
1: So what was your training like going up to that?
0: Just a lot of volume. Um, The race I did had 11,000 feet of vertical gain and descent. So I spent a lot of time actually on the course and just practicing those exact uphills and downhills, right. um, getting used to steep climbs. Oh, um, right on. Yeah.
1: So you're kind, kind of, of like you
0: prioritize strength training as well,
1: right? Like doing a lot of leg work and stuff.
0: Exactly, volume volume legs and, and just kind of being able to take the pounding of fifty miles.
1: So you kind of are, are a little different than VJ is cuz VJ you know he always talks about he likes to stay in that hour to 90 minute range of racing and and you're on the opposite side where you're the longer the better, right?
0: Yeah, I think uh, I think the science has something to say for people with less experience being able to do really solid performances at those that 90 minute range right. just because that's what your base kind of allows you to do. But what my uh, heart draws me to is the, the stuff that's longer.
1: Yeah. I'm kind of the same way, you know, as long as my body can do it, I'd rather do it. I'd rather have a longer race than a shorter race, just cause it's just, it's more fun to me. You know what I mean? Oh
0: yeah. And you also get your money's worth out of it. I mean, I, I don't want to travel for 15 minutes.
1: Exactly. Exactly. You know, all those people flew all the way down here to, I mean, cause I live two hours or two and a half hours away from Jacksonville. And to me, it's, it's, a pretty dull race to travel you know I mean me being there I mean I used to always go to Jacksonville surf when I was a kid so Jacksonville's like you know a town you know the next town over to me but and people fly across the country to come and do that race that's just astonishing to me because I mean that's a lot of money to come to Jacksonville to race pretty much a flat swamp race you know <laughs> and oh, then yeah. and then they sandbag Saturday so they can be ready for like you said, the twenty minute race on Sunday.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. I'm I'm a mountain guy myself. So I, I went down and did Jacksonville I think two years ago. Uh, or two or three years ago I guess now. Yeah. But uh it, it's we're definitely worth traveling out there for the competition.
1: Right, yeah. Well I mean I it's like a series race, so <laughs> I get it. So um So I noticed you've done, like, you've done a bunch of races. Even early on, you were doing races all over the country. And, I mean, you were, like, what, 15 and 16 when you were doing this. So your parents must have been, like, all behind you. Yeah, let's go do this race. So how how did they support you doing all this stuff?
0: Yeah, my parents were both super supportive uh, with me chasing this dream. Um, we did a lot of road trips, especially that first year when I got into it, 2016. Yeah. Um, so being based in Chicago helped a lot cause that's kind of, a, kind of a central location if yeah. you're willing to drive 13 hours to a race. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I, we would ditch a lot of schools on school on Friday and, uh, drive down to like Atlanta or, uh, Mobile, Alabama, um, Kentucky, Ohio, um, just kind of anything that we could kind of touch. And we'd go down on Fridays long road trips, race that weekend, and then come back and you know I honestly is is a super fun experience
1: now, especially
0: just seeing all the all the country just by going to races
1: yeah and you mentioned that Atlanta race I remember that race because it was in December if I remember right um
0: yeah November December time frame
1: yeah because it was like. It was super cold that Saturday, and then that Sunday it was cold and it was raining during the sprint on that next day. Do you remember?
0: I, I do. I remember jumping into the dunk wall and just losing all my all the air in my lungs. Just <laughs> do you? It, yeah, that was super cold. <laughs>
1: do you remember the sandbag carry on that race? Because we had to like go through that little kind of like swampy trench, and on the super it wasn't that bad. But when we went through it the next day on the sprint, it like gotten two feet deeper just from everybody going through it. Do you remember that?
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm not sure if I remember the sandbag. I my most notable sandbag carry was um, in Alabama the first year they put it, a race on there. Uh, they didn't put an end on the sandbag, so like instead of doing a loop, we just yeah. went back on the normal course. I remember and that. We carried it for like a mile or so, and we
1: pretty much I dropped it, it off right drop. there at the A-frame.
0: Exactly, they, they told us to drop it off thing for him. Actually, like the first couple guys, yeah. Which was, I kind of liked it. I kind I liked racing with the sandbag.
1: <laughs> yeah, because what we carried it for at least a half a mile, at least.
0: Oh yeah, I remember I, I that. Michael, Mark, and I measured it at like one point two.
1: I knew it was a which, long time. But I like that race. It was a cool race. I've always liked, everybody's always given the Alabama races shit, but I always thought that the Alabama races were just good, fun races to me.
0: Yeah, I think it really depends on what they send us through. Yeah. Because I remember that first year kind of being a little sandy, so like you could run a little bit, and then you'd hop in like a like a kind of a bog or a swamp, yep. and then you'd get out, and then you'd actually be running again, um, but... It's all, I, think it's, I think it's fun to travel, especially down to the south, for some of those races.
1: Yeah, but I was sad that they didn't bring the Alabama race back uh, last year, but it was a bummer. Yeah,
0: so, I feel like they don't have a lot of venues this year, um, just kind of tentatively looking at the schedule.
1: But Yeah, you know, COVID's kind of screwing everything up, and we still don't know what's going to get canceled and what's going to happen, but it's starting to look like things are opening up a little bit better.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm hoping with the whole vaccination process that we'll we'll be relatively back to normal by the end of the year. Hopefully,
1: I hope so. I mean, I work for a hospital, and like there was at one point where half of the patients in our hospital had it, and like as of today, we had four patients in our hospital that have it. So, I mean, we're only like a 200 bed hospital, so but still, we went from like 90 patients having COVID, and now we have like four. So, I mean, something's working
0: yeah any progress
1: yeah any progress is great so when they introduced like the tire flip i mean you were probably what 16 or 17 did you have problems with that i mean were you still just kind of smaller a little then or were you already like getting a little bit bigger and growing up
0: so i haven't changed too much in weight since 2017 i've been about the same i've gotten definitely stronger right um but yeah, no, for sure. Initially when they introduced the tire, it was a question of whether or not I'd be able to to get it like just in normal conditions. Um which I was able to. i I, I figured out how to get my hands under and get the two flips, but I've definitely noticed over the past couple of years I've been able to flip it easier and I think it's definitely come down to just more time training that strength base and uh like just working deadlifts.
1: Right. Yeah, it's, the is one of those things where it's not hard to flip. It's hard to get your hands under it, you know, especially when it's wet, you know. That's the whole, you know, problem with the tire, you know.
0: Oh, yeah, this uh, this past weekend, it was a little icy out, especially first thing in the morning. And so I thought the tire would be, could be a little bit more interesting, kind of how we saw in uh, Jacksonville this year. But luckily, the, it was like a soft little gravelly area that they put it on so you could just shove your hand under and it was easy flips but
1: hell yeah that's what you want so um tell us about how the race went this past weekend man
0: oh yeah so this past weekend it was a little chilly on saturday like i guess for texas it was a little chilly like 40 degrees at the start line um I decided to take it out a little bit slower than usual. Um, I I like to typically race like a race really fast off the start, but I kind of I, I wasn't super confident about my ability to maintain a like five minute miles and like high level speed um, right. just coming into the weekend. Um, so I kind of t- held back the first two miles. Um, we got through a lot of the little little technical um, rock and like stick sections. If if you've ever raced that course. Um, basically you're running over like a crushed down brush all in, the entire time. Right. Um, so there's all these like branches and, and sharp little wood sticks sticking up and uh, like rocks and like little potholes all over the course. So it, it's pretty technical. Um, so held back the first two miles and then once we hit Z-Wall, um, I kind of took the Z-Wall really slow because I just hadn't touched that obstacle in two years. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, you know, took Z-Wall slow, knew it didn't matter if I lost a couple seconds there just to, just to get through it and be on clean through the race. Um, and then after we hit Z-Wall, I came out in like fourth place and I decided this looks like a runnable section. I'm just going to surge. Um, and I pushed really hard from mile, like two to mile five. Right. Um, and then, in that time I was able to break contact with Victor Quezada and Isaiah. Um, And from there, um, we kind of, like, they put all the obstacles, like, the actual, like, grip obstacles and obstacles you can kind of mess up um, in the last mile and a half. Um, So from there, we hit, like, the rig, beater, twister, olympus, um, all that. Um, And so, I had a solid lead um, coming into the bucket carry. Um, which I was kind of disappointed they didn't have a sandbag carry as well.
1: Yeah, um, They're saying but, I don't think they're doing that because of the COVID or whatever. I guess your germs can get on that fabric more than it can a plastic bucket, I guess.
0: I, I suppose it's easier to clean off.
1: Yeah, the like, bucket. That,
0: that, that can make sense for sure. Um, but I, by the time I finished my bucket carry, they were just arriving at the bucket. So I had a solid two minutes um, on them. second and third place um and then i i made it over to the spear throw and as i always do i i threw a good throw but just like six inches to the right of the target (laughs) um and so that that ended up had me having me do 30 very fast burpees (laughs) being paranoid about my counting because i just don't know how to count apparently when i i race (laughs) um and I managed to get the 30 done before they arrived at the Spear. And just
1: oh, wow. That's took awesome.
0: Off. Yeah, I just took off. And uh, there's only like three obstacles left, or three or four obstacles left. And just managed to keep that little distance and, and finish up all nice and clean. So.
1: so you didn't have that much of a lead the day, uh, on the sprint, I guess.
0: Yeah, on the sprint, I, I raced pretty similarly. Um, however, since they took out all the running of the course, yeah. I, I only had 15 seconds coming into the spear throw. So when I, I missed there, the exact same way, which is completely on me, um, I didn't have time to crank out burpees. <laughs> but <laughs> they, they they were definitely pushing the pace a lot harder on Sunday. Um, and I I was I was feeling it a lot. Well,
1: it's probably you know. It's pretty awesome that you were still able to, you know, hold third place even after missing the spear, you know, in a sprint, you know, you, you do burpees, you know, you pretty much, I mean, most of the time you're going to be out of contention for the podium anyway. So, I mean, it's amazing. You were still able to get third. So you must have really oh, yeah. been pushing no, it after that. For it's sure. definitely,
0: uh, definitely. I'm, I'm happy that I was able to get the burpees done, but some of those age group guys, uh, on Sunday, they were moving. I know, uh, Cole De Rosa was, like, seven seconds behind me. Yeah, um, bad. And there was another Masters guy who actually, I think, beat me um, in, in terms of time on Sunday by a couple seconds just because of the, that spear throw.
1: Yeah. Well, it looks like they should have run elite, <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I think it's weird, though, because uh, I was talking to a couple of them, to a couple of age group athletes, and they said that the elite wave sold out real quick. Um, so they weren't able to try to hop around and, and, uh, play in the elite field.
1: Well, I know Cole, a lot of times, you know, he will run the sprint in elite on the Sunday races a lot of times. So I was actually shocked that I didn't see him do that, but it's like you said, they said it was sold out, but you know, looking at the race and it didn't look like there was about what, 20 to 25 people each day in the men's heat, was there?
0: Oh yeah, on Saturday there's only really 12 people in the in the elite men's wave, um, and I think there are eight in the female wow. wave on uh, on Saturday. But there are more there were more on the sun on Sunday. Right. But yeah, it, it said sold out, but there and Grant, there's a couple people I know who were pre- registered but didn't show. Yeah. Um, but not enough to have the entire wave sold out.
1: They must have sold out the race on capacity before they sold out in heats. Apparently, I guess.
0: Yeah, very possible.
1: I guess they had so many people sign up and open that it cut the numbers that were going to be in age group in the elite heats. I mean, I, I guess that's... Yeah, no, I
0: definitely see that.
1: Hmm. Well, did they even do cash payouts with those heats being that small?
0: Uh, on Saturday they did, uh, but Robert Koble said that on Sunday on some of the smaller races, they aren't doing cash payouts because of... Uh, budget restrictions because they missed all of last year right um so they had to find places where they could scrounge a little money
1: so did they do that just because the heats were smaller or did they do it because like you said so what did they do just give out free races or something
0: yeah i believe so yeah
1: which is kind of lame because most of the people that are running probably got an age group pass or an elite season pass anyway right
0: oh i'm right now i'm banking on those uh free race codes.
1: <laughs> oh really you didn't have a pass from twenty
0: nineteen? Oh no or twenty twenty going into the twenty nineteen season, um my plan wasn't to race as much. Right. Um just I have more commitments uh with my school and I wasn't gonna travel as much. Um at least travel as much on the weekends. Um so I've been kind of using my old free race passes to to fund my season this year. So right.
1: I'm sure there's tons of people out there got codes that they're ready to sell.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I've sold them to my friends in the past, so I, I know how it
1: is. <laughs> where, didn't you get injured in 2019, too?
0: Um, I, I've never been severely injured. Um, but in 2019, I was dealing with this nagging hamstring injury. Oh,
1: man, um, I'm where going I kept that. Uh,
0: re-pulling my hamstring. Um, pretty much any anytime I try to like open up my stride, like really large to try to pick up speed. Yeah. Um, and like, it's a recurring thing that happens to me on occasion due to like lack of flexibility and running on ice. So I have to be careful about that, but I've been lucky and been healthy last year. or So
1: yeah, I've kind of been going through that same thing. It's like I pulled my hamstring like a year ago and like, if I'm doing just, you know, slow running zone two zone three stuff, I'm fine. I go and do like a trail race or do any kind of race where I'm opening up and going faster, man, it'll just, it'll like, it'll be sore that whole day and then it'll get a little bit better the next day, you know, but it just always comes back. Yeah. Sucks.
0: Yeah. What I found was it was my lack of flexibility, which caused whenever I like stretched my stride and extending my leg out behind me, right. it was just pulling a little bit too much. And by just stretching a little bit more and, and taking a little bit of time
1: off, I was able to get that under control. Right. So, I know some things, I, and and I agree with you, it's when you're opening up your stride is when it bothers you much. A, a lot of it to me would be like like on mountain bike trails. It's got those quick little downs and ups, you know. That it's almost like a big drop. That would yeah. always bother mine as well too. And a lot of times I would just try to focus on, you know, increasing my cadence a little bit too so i'm not taking those longer strides but i don't feel like i can run as fast doing that so.
0: well yeah if you if you listen to what richard diaz has to say that 180 yeah. cadence is really the ideal right. um, frequency of steps so if you you go over that too much for too long that's you know they're probably gonna tie you out a little bit and not be as fast or efficient in the long run
1: yeah, and I always try to, you know, practice that. You know, I've took one of his classes, too, and I, I every once in a while I'll run with the metronome just to tighten up. But it just seems like if you're bombing a downhill, you're going to take, every once in a while, you're going to take a long stride just because obstructions on the ground and all, you know. It's the trail racing is where it throws off your cadence, to me. It's kind of hard to keep that 180 going in tune the whole time when you've got obstructions on the ground that you're trying to get around and maneuver around anyway.
0: Definitely.
1: Yeah. So, um, what is your plans for the rest of this year? Are you just kind of doing the races you can get to and focusing on school? Or are you going to try to go after the national series?
0: Um, so my plan isn't to chase the national series this year. Um, Although some of the races do look appealing, like uh, West Virginia would be a fun one to go back to.
1: I love that um, race.
0: And I, I've never raced Utah either. Me neither. But um, right now my calendar is a little light. Um, I, have a lot of tentative com- I have a lot of commitments that don't have specific dates yet. So currently on my calendar I'm looking at Montana um, and then maybe another race in May, that May time frame. May or early June. Um, and then I'm, my plan in the fall is to kind of go to more road racing, and hit the Army 10 miler, try to do a marathon and, and PR my marathon, and then do the JFK 50 miler.
1: You've so, already you've already got a pretty low two hour marathon already, don't you?
0: Uh, yeah, I, I believe 2:45. That's pretty um, good. But I, I want to try to get it sub 2:40. So right. I think it's doable. I just need to train, and I'm planning on trying to get those new, or I guess not so new, but the Nike uh, Super Shoes.
1: Right. You get that so. extra little push.
0: Yeah, just anything that can help you get a little bit faster.
1: Right. Word. So, man, how did it feel? You went back to San Antonio, and for those of the people that don't know, you know, explain to us what happened when it was 2019. I always I keep wanting to say last year, but it wasn't last year. But it seems like it was last year we were racing, even though we took we've had to take a whole year off. But 2019 in San Antonio, uh, you raced to the finish and you barely they say you missed the fire jump. But to me, it looked like one leg went around it and one leg went over it. I mean, to me. And you placed second place, but they ended up penalizing you about it. You know, tell us tell us exactly what happened there, man, and what that experience was like.
0: Yeah, so a little bit of context to that uh, 2019 San Antonio race. Um, so that year, Hunter Russell and myself were battling out for the last two miles, uh, very similar course to the course this year. Um, and we come in to the last two obstacles, which I believe was, or the last three obstacles, which were A frame, monkey bars, and the fire jump. And we're shoulder to shoulder. And the way the course was set up was right after the monkey bars, there was a sharp right hand turn uh, with the fire jump. And so we both hit the bell approximately the same time on the fire jump, or on the, on the monkey bars, and we're sprinting in to the finish, trying to get over the fire and get to the finish line as fast as possible. And We're both taking the inside line and we're shoulder to shoulder and I get the, the worst line and I'm on the very edge of the fire jump and in the moment I don't think anything of it I think I, I jump I, I I drive my knee over the over the off, over the fire jump but looking back at the video I was, I was so close to the edge that my my half of my body kind of went around the obstacle instead of completely over it um, so yeah i finished second there and then they added a 10 minute penalty um bumping me pretty far back in the ranks um See, but it's all really good to get redemption on that this time
1: so oh, I'm sure but the, and what's so awful about it too is is I'm sure every time you go to a fire jump now it probably brings up that memory right oh
0: it's the, it's the stupidest obstacle to fail right uh, <laughs> if, you, if, you, if anyone had told me anything I would have just turned around
1: exactly jumped
0: over it again and or, or just dropped and done 30 burpees right there i still would have had time to finish
1: second see and wow. that's what and that was that year that even hunter russell got you know penalized for that trust thing in jacksonville along with woodsy too yeah. you know i mean it was like the hit the dog in the nose with the newspaper after he pissed on the floor a day ago you know what i mean it's mm-hmm. like sure. if, if there's not a judge there to say, hey, you did this wrong, I don't think it's it, – it, it wasn't fair to give a 10-minute penalty for something. If there would have been a judge there and be like, hey, you didn't jump over the fire jump, you could have turned around and went and done it and come right back, and you still would have probably kept second place.
0: For sure. And, granted, that comes down to the – where officiating – Um. What offici- What officials need to do yeah. um, in the moment, and then kind of what is best practice for obstacle course racing? Um, is it time large time penalties if the uh, the infraction isn't changing the res- the outcome of the the race, um, or is it just smaller things of that wasn't how it was supposed to happen, but it we just slightly tweak it, it doesn't change anything, so leave it how it was. Um, I don't, know, I don't know. if I have the answers to that. But
1: who was the, who actually was the one that brought up the infraction? Um, a bystander, or was it? I actually?
0: can't. Rem- I can't remember entirely. Um, yeah, I honestly don't know exactly who brought it up, but I think there's some some video or some, and it showed my showed me showed an angle of me which my my I wasn't clearly over the fire. Um, so yeah.
1: Yeah, sounded like some hall monitor stuff.
0: Ooh, he didn't jump the fire right. Well, it just taught me to be more careful in every
1: obstacle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, but, and, I mean, we got to be understanding that, you know, Spartans, even though it's a worldwide sport, a lot of these obstacles, they have volunteers that are there judging them, and they're getting exactly what they are as volunteers, you know, and so they're getting the type of help that they can. So we have to be understanding to that. And that's just part of the sport, you know, like it or not at this time.
0: For sure. And also like the volunteers, like I've volunteered at races before, and you know a lot more of what you're doing two hours into volunteering than you know the first thing. Like oh yeah, the elite men are the first people through. So the volunteers typically are just half paying attention when the first person shows up. And then by the time like they understand everything that's happening, you know, the elite men's wave is probably through. It's probably the elite women are probably already there.
1: And and honestly, in in defense too, if I was a volunteer, you know, and I don't I don't even know if they have a volunteer that watches the fire jump. You know, I mean, most of the time there's like a staff guy there that's like putting more logs on the fire and you got the people handing out medals right there at the finish line. But I don't think there actually is like a volunteer or a judge there to watch the fire jump. So, but even if I was, I mean, that wouldn't have been a job that I would have thought to, you know, watch. I mean, it was just one of those things you assume everybody just goes over the fire, you know what I mean?
0: exactly that's that's why it's a it's a frustrating mistake to make um but you know it happens so and, it, and it's and, always it's always part of the narrative to, to feel me to get a little bit better try a little harder
1: right and, and one another thing is too is it, and and people are probably thinking well how did he miss the fire jump but if you knew this course the way it was even in the video it was like almost a 90 degree turn into the fire jump so, I mean, it was the least path of resistance to hug that side, too. And they had the tape. And, I mean, I understand they can't get the tape too close to the fire because it'll melt, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, it's just like any mud puddle. You know, I think there was another race where they said Ryan Kent skirted a mud puddle, but he was within the tape. You know what I mean? So.
0: Yeah, yeah I know. I definitely know.
1: And, I mean, you were within the tape, so, you know. There's a million ways yeah. you can look at it.
0: Yeah, it's, it's one of those things. I think that, I don't know, I guess we haven't had a controversy recently just because there hasn't been uh, races.
1: But <laughs> yeah. it'll
0: be interesting to see what uh, Spartan does moving forward, especially with their attempts to kind of standardize the sport.
1: Well, I want to say one of the girls that was on the podium, and I forget which which day it was, but she was grabbing the top of Helix. There's pictures oh, really? of it. yeah, there's pictures of her doing it, but I mean it was well after, uh, you know the p- photos didn't come out until two days after, so nobody really, it you know it's one of those things where so- they're talking about it on Facebook now.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think discussion you know on social media is it's, it's productive to an extent, but there's there's times where it's just kind of complaining.
1: Oh yeah, people just love to troll and, and stir pots. For exactly. sure. But I just wanted to hear it from you, you know, and see what, how you felt about it, you know, and being able to go back to the race and just crush it after you had that bad time at the race two years ago, not last year.
0: I, oh yeah, it, it felt really good. It's San, San Antonio is one of those venues that I, I really enjoy racing. It's, it's, it's technical and it's, it's relatively flat, but there's this one nice little climb in there. Um, and I I showed what I was able to do in 2019 with my running. Um but I had that mistake that kind of uh overshadowed my performance, but being able to come back this year and and reaffirm where I where I think I am with my abilities in the sport and, and just kind of finally solidify my first Spartan Race victory uh felt really good because I, that's a, that's a goal I've been working on for, for plus years, and I've, I've been close a lot, but
1: uh, never, never had got it before. Man, it looked like you were having a crushing pace going out there, man. It looks like you were fit and you were ready to go, man. I mean, I know you said you're not taking it as serious this year as you have in the past, but, man, it looks like you got the wheels to be in it this year. Oh,
0: I, I never I never let myself get out of shape. My, my training philosophy is uh, I'm never – more than one to two months out of world championship level shape. So if you give me two months, I can train for a 5k and, and be really solid there. If you give me two months, I can train for Tahoe and be able to perform really well for that. Um, so I've I never, never checked out of the sport. I just uh, haven't been prioritizing racing as much. But also let's, let's do the COVID environment that we live in right now. It's, yeah. it's harder to go places. It's harder to train like, I know for a fact my train's been more inconsistent this past year than than it's ever been before just due to, like, I've had to quarantine a couple times just because of exposures and stuff,
1: so right. it's not fun. Are you living at Elevation? I heard you say you were staying in Colorado.
0: Yeah, I live uh, in Fort Collins, which is about 5,200 feet.
1: Mm. So, are, so. You th- are you thinking about doing Tahoe this year since you've been doing your training there and stuff? Well, you said you were doing Utah, right?
0: Oh, um, well, I have an interest, but, so I'm a ROTC cadet. Oh. Uh,
1: and
0: uh, this, this summer I have what we call advanced camp, which is our big accession process to get evaluated for our tactical ability, our physical fitness, um, right. and just assess us to give us our careers in the Army. Um, and so I don't know the dates that I'll be gone for that. And right. I know for a fact During that training process, I won't be able to train to the level of fitness that I typically train. So I won't be in race or phenomenal race shape immediately following it. Um, So I have to see what I feel confident in racing following that training.
1: So you're not going to try to go to Abu Dhabi, man? Come on.
0: I would love to go to Abu Dhabi. I'm, I'm a big world traveling guy if you can if I can go anywhere I'll go right but' I'm, I unfortunately it's like the week before my finals oh wow um and I don't think I can reasonably pull it off hm like i there's a chance I could, but if I'm going to Abu Dhabi all that travel I, I want to go for like a week and actually like experience the whole yeah. venue and like
1: make a vacation out like, of it
0: exactly make a vacation out of it um but I'm not sure if that would work. Granted, if we're still in a COVID environment and my classes are online, I might as well try to go. Yeah. But.
1: I mean, and speaking of that, you know, your dad or your parents—they were taking you all these races as you were growing up. Did would was it pretty much we're going down here to do the race and we're going to turn around and come home, or did y'all make like many vacations out of all of it?
0: Uh, we did both. We did both. Um, so a lot of a lot of uh, trips we'd go. And, like, one of my spring breaks, we went and raced, uh, I think it was Jacksonville, and then we did a little road trip over to New Orleans and then went up to, like, Dallas and saw some family and down to Austin and, and visited Austin and saw some family friends there, and then we raced San Antonio. Um, and, but then we had other trips where it was 13-hour drive down to Alabama, race Alabama, hop in the car, 13-hour drive back to Chicago. <laughs> um, so we, we did both. And it, it, my dad did a lot to help enable me to be able to race and put myself in a, in a position to have success in the sport, um, finding me the right coaching, um, helping me figure out what nutrition I need. Because um, he, he wasn't an uh, endurance athlete, so and I'm, I wasn't it didn't come from a traditional endurance sport, um background per se so like learning all the training all the how do you recover um like everything to that goes into off horse racing especially at a high level um it was really a team effort and i wouldn't have been able to do it without him so
1: i know one thing about your dad is, is he could always be a good rabbit too because i know him i know in big bear and another race I watched his live feed more than I watched anybody else's live feed that was going on at the races. Cause he just, he knew who was in first, he knew everybody's names and it was just really cool to watch. So you, you definitely got a pretty cool dad to go out there and do all that stuff with you for sure.
0: Yeah. I missed having him out there this last weekend. He's a, uh, he's always my support crew and you know, helps me carry all my gear. He's always at like the, every point you can get to cheer me on. He has his little cow- cowbell. I guess not little, it's a pretty big cowbell. Um, and he, he know, he,
1: I mean, he's a part of the community too, just, you know, not as a racer, which is a pretty cool experience. Oh, that's cool. Well, all right, man. So and towards the end of the episode, I always have the same questions that I always ask everybody that comes on. So we'll go through that now. So to this point, you know, and out of any races you've done, it doesn't have to be OCR, it can be anything, but what has been your most favorite race that you've done and why?
0: My favorite race is probably Killington. Um, I, I think the terrain and the steepness of the climbs at Killington just makes it unique and a different kind of, envir- of race and environment than anything else. Um, Tahoe has a lot of runnable terrain. You can run most of Tahoe if you're in shape for it and if you, you hit it at the right point in your, in your race but like the death march at killington you can't really run you have to hike and it just it it demoralizes people and i really like the races that kind of take souls and i i just had a real really good time on the steep technical east coast terrain and just hunting people down on especially on the death march so I, i that's the one race i really want to go back to
1: what year did you go do that I wanna say twenty seventeen. but I'm not positive. Twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen. I think yeah, twenty eighteen was the first year I went there and I did the ultra there and I did the ultra in twenty nineteen as well. But I'm with you. I mean it's it's the it's the love hate of that race is what makes it cool. It's it's a tough race and it just when you go across the finish line at that race, you know you've done something cool that day.
0: Oh, yeah. It destroys you in a different kind of way. I sat in the same chair for probably two and a half hours, just kind of sitting there. Not thinking about anything, just sitting there. And just, just time went by, and you know, I just didn't have any energy left.
1: Yeah, man, and the ultras there, the the added ultra loops they put on at, at Killington, man, they are insane Uh, both years we did it the added loops were just they were they were crazy really steep and it was almost like another death march in some uh, in some areas not as long but just as damn steep it it was crazy i'm signed up to go there again too i mean out of all the ultras i've done killington is and i've both times i finished it as immediately as i finished it i'm like i'm not doing this shit again but i I, you know, time will pass, and I'll sign up and do it again. So I'm signed up for it again this year. <laughs> uh, I, I never
0: say I'm not going to do a race again. I just take a healthy break.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I've I think I've learned to not say that now, because <laughs> every time I say I'm not going to do it, I usually always end up doing it again. I guess I'm well. It's
0: something about how badly it hurt the first time that you're you're curious if it's going to do the same to the second.
1: Time. Right. It's like I know what to expect this time. <laughs>
0: Exactly.
1: <laughs> okay, if you so you do it
0: once; you can do it again too.
1: That's right. That's right. So that question reversed. Out of all the races you've done, what's the race that you disliked the most, and why? That's a
0: tough one. I'm not sure if there's a particular race I disliked per se. I, I, I think. For me, I'm just glad to be racing most of the time, right. and if I'm ever upset at a race, it's it's typically not because of the venue or or the competition. It's typically because I didn't perform to my expectations. Um, so I, I don't, I can't think of a specific example of a race races I didn't like. Other than some like five little five k's I've done, right? But that's a little that's a little different. That's just to try to get a time trial done.
1: We'll just say it was San Antonio when you got penalized. That'll work, right <laughs> yeah, that
0: <works. laughs>
1: Okay, so um, what is like your race ritual? And when I say race ritual, like what are you doing Friday night to prepare for the race Saturday morning? And if you're racing Sunday, what are you doing Saturday night to prepare for the race Sunday? Like do you eat certain things? Do you use certain supplements? Do you do certain things to recover before the Sunday race? Just walk us through like your weekend race.
0: Yeah. So Friday is typically my travel day. So that looks one of two ways. If I should arrive early, that means I actually have time to do some of my preparation stuff. If i arrive arrived late really that means get to my hotel as fast as possible. Um, do my air Relax boots for one or two, uh, rotations and then try to pass out as quickly as possible right. um whereas if i uh have extra time on that friday i like to try to go to the venue so i can kind of get a visual of what the race will look like so when i'm just thinking about it the rest of the night and then before the race happens in the next morning i can visualize trying to make the spear visualize all the obstacles visualize the terrain and where i'm going to try to push and where i'm going to conserve a little bit just because I know I won't be able to be as efficient and, and try to save energy. Um, and then I, I usually like to go out, try to be social on Friday, um, meet up with fellow racers and try to try to catch up because, you know, it's, a lot of times you haven't seen people for a while. Um, and then I'll, I'll head back after dinner, do do my air boots. Probably usually take a shower, nice warm water um, to try to loosen up the muscles a little bit before sleeping. Um and then I, I try to get as like six or eight to six hours of sleep. It sometimes I'm more successful than other times, so uh,
1: right.
0: I don't really suffer from pre race anxiety. So I, I'm usually able to sleep pretty well. Um and then when I wake up, I like to wake up pretty early before races to be honest. Um I usually like to have like two and a half to three hours of time awake before actually racing. Right. Um, and the first thing I do is eat. Mm. Um, and that's usually one, two bananas and maybe a pop tart depending on how long the races. Right. Um, and then I'll, I'll do my, do air relaxed boots again. Um, I just, I think they're honestly my greatest tool for recovery. They just help my legs feel like they've warmed up a little bit without actually doing any work. Right. Um,
1: I've never tried those. From, was that I've never tried those boots before
0: i I think they're the greatest recovery tool I've ever tried huh. um because they're passive recovery so you don't physically have to do anything but lay there with the boots on right um huh. and then they just circulate the blood around your legs and they kind of just get your legs working a little bit so if I'm tight in my quads and calves uh, after a good session of that i I'm I'm walking around normally I'm I'm feeling feeling pretty fresh, hmm. um, even if I've kind of beat up after that first day or just tired from a flight or a drive. Right. Um, and then after I eat, head to the venue, I get there way too early um, because I'd rather stand around and and be there than, than be rushed. Um, I get like in me. the venue as soon as it opens. I put on all my gear, I go for my warm up about an hour before the race. And my warm-up typically is two miles of
1: jogging at
0: 8 to 8.30 pace. Um, And then I do some dynamic warm-up and some stretching following that. And then I I chug pre-workout 45 minutes before the start of the race.
1: What's your go-to pre-workout, man?
0: um, I'm a big fan of Enduroly's pre-workout.
1: Yeah, I like it too. Um, I usually drink it too.
0: Yeah, I I think it's really solid, and I think it just sits well with my system better. Like, it's not fake. It it actually is, like, quality ingredients. I do that 45 minutes before the race, although it says 30 minutes because I like to hit the bathroom an extra time, and I don't want to miss the starting wave. Right. Um, And then once I get that, it's really just mental preparation. Get in the starting corral. I like to take like a bunch of really deep breaths and just kind of close my eyes and just zone everything out. And then when the when the race starts and the gun goes off, it's go time.
1: I hear you. So, uh, what would be your favorite obstacle, and then your obstacle you hate the most?
0: Ooh. Um. Well, I hate the spear the most. <laughs> because i just i can't i can't get it consistently to save my life um and my favorite obstacle i really like complex rigs i know spartan doesn't do a ton of them but anything where you're kind of hanging and it's more dynamic and it's like almost like a problem-solving um activity where it's what's the most efficient way to grab this hole and and if I do this, do I need to lock off at 90, or do I swing long? Um, yeah. Almost American Ninja Warrior-esque uh, kind of rigs. Right. But that's definitely my favorite.
1: So have you done Savage?
0: I have. I yeah. have. Unfortunately, I, their races don't line oh. up with my calendar the best. Yeah. But I, I typically always hop in the Chicago Savage race.
1: Right. Because uh, they, they got a little bit more fun rigs. They're a little more difficult, too, as well. You know, because...
0: Have you ever done a low rig at OCR worlds?
1: No, but I did a little mom and pop low rig and it was pretty tough for me. I ended up having to give up my band on it just because when I had to leave one section and go to another section, it was like you had to hold your, your, your bottom half of your body up. So for so long and I just, I was spent and I couldn't do it. So yeah, those are tough.
0: Yeah. I, those are actually probably my favorite type of rig. It's just uh, it's different, and it, it requires like a core strength, and it's kind of like rock climbing. Yeah, and I, I think those are really fun to try to try to really problem solve on.
1: Yeah, it looks like uh, Savage's. I know their rig in Florida. It had uh, at the very end of the rig, it had a one ring that was really low. So when you swung across that ring, it was so low, and then you had to grab a rope and climb up the rope to get to the bell, and I can imagine it was really difficult to hold yourself up on that ring to swing to that rope.
0: For sure. So. It's all about the core and the balance and dynamic upper body movements. But,
1: yeah. yeah. What did you think about the uh, the new Olympus material? And they changed the pattern of it, too.
0: I, I actually didn't notice much of a difference. Um Yeah, I I just use the holes on it, so I I just kind of drag myself along it.
1: Because I know they changed the material of it where it's kind of made out of that same material now. Well, I mean, I don't know if they did in San Antonio, but I know the ones that they had here in Jacksonville. The material of the, uh, it's the same as that platform that's right in front of the vertical cargo net. That's what they're making the Mm -hmm. material out of too, that kind of plastic-like material.
0: Well, they changed the stairway to Sparta to that same material. Yeah. Um, I think the box was already that material. Right. And they also changed the slip wall to that material. Yeah. I think it's. I think it's fine. I think it's, it gets a lot more slippery though. Yeah. Um. I know I had to run up to the vertical cargo net twice. Um, on Saturday because when the first time I jumped up to it, when I tried to do like kind of a muscle up movement, my hand slipped off it, and I kind of just flopped on the ground um yeah, i've done but, that
1: so many times yeah. <clears throat> well john man that's all i've got man is there anything you want to add to this before we let go
0: um if anyone wants to find me they can find me at john penland underscore ocr um i'm i'm hoping to get more back into the ocr scene this year um and hopefully see all my uh, ocr friends that have raced this this year um, but still got to figure out when, but I, I really appreciate ha- you having me on your, your show, Scott.
1: Yeah, man. Well, so do you have any races planned? Like what's your next race you got planned that you know of?
0: Montana is my next race.
1: Have you done Montana before?
0: I have not. I, it looks intriguing and I, I think I was planning on doing it in 2020 before everything happened.
1: It looks like an awesome venue. I'm like you; I've never done it either, but I've heard it's just a really cool race. It's for me. That's an expensive flight to get out there, man. Oh yeah,
0: I'm I'm driving up there. I believe with my dad, and right. like twelve hours from where I am. That's so not too bad. Not terrible,
1: but... No, have you have you thought about doing a, a Spartan Ultra?
0: I have. I was actually scheduled to do one the weekend the world got shut down due to covid down in uh san luis obispo
1: right i mean you just liking the more endurance stuff man you might be really good at doing them man you ought to try one
0: i want i definitely want to try one it's just uh figuring out the scheduling because yeah. only, they only offer a certain number of them and then you got to figure out the travel and the training plan for it so definitely definitely sometime in the next two years
1: yeah man go ahead and just sign up for the killington ultra man you're ready
0: i definitely think i could do it but i think i have some uh other races that might get compromised if i try to throw my hat in that arena
1: yeah yeah man it it usually trashes you for a good week after you finish those races but man I, i just it's just to me it's just fun doing an obstacle race that lasts you know almost all day it's so much fun and since for you sure. said you like the longer stuff, man, I really think you would dig doing the Spartan Ultra as you'd really get into it.
0: Well that uh what is it, the Spartan Ultra World Championship?
1: Yeah, and tell your uh,
0: Telluride this year. So that's not too far for me. So maybe I'll have to have to qualify for that.
1: Yeah, man. I just the, the snow and all, I yeah, I I can't deal with a snow race that lasts a long time. I don't think I can handle that. I'm a southern boy, man, and I'd I don't like it when it gets below 40 down here. <laughs>
0: uh, it's, it's definitely another challenge. Uh, I don't know. Sure. My hands shut down in the cold, but I, uh, Mine too. I I like the cold for the most part.
1: Yeah, I saw you had Bleg mitts on this past weekend, so it must have been pretty chilly there, too.
0: Well, a lot of the, for the most part, they are precautionary. Um, it was a little cold, and my hands have not great circulation, so like, I might as well carry them and just make sure I have warm hands instead of maybe not have warm hands
1: and fail something, so. You may have Raynaud's syndrome. That's what I have. It's when you don't have good circulation to, like, your fingertips, and, like, if you'll notice sometimes, like, one or two of your fingertips will go numb, but the other ones will feel fine.
0: Yeah, very possibly.
1: That's kind of what it is. Uh, It sucks. Yeah,
0: you got to figure out how to use them when they're not working, but,
1: you know yeah
0: it's always always a fun time uh having an added challenge to the octopus.
1: yep well john man i appreciate you taking time to do this man and uh good luck with your future races man and hopefully i'll see you at one sometime
0: yeah i appreciate it it was great talking to you
1: yeah man we'll talk to you later oh
0: see
1: ya hope you enjoyed the interview i want to thank john again for taking time to talk to us come and find me at savage georgia this weekend I'll also be at the Charlotte Sprint next month. I think it's the first weekend in April. can't remember. But anyway, I'll be there for racing both days. Uh, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Leave a review. I'll read it on the next episode. Whenever that'll be, you never know. <laughs> anyway, that's all I got for now. We'll see you in the next race. Peace.